we thank you for this day that you've made for us. <laughs> we can rejoice and be glad because you're a good, good God. Amen. Your love for us never changes. And you loved us so much that you sent Jesus to die for us, to shed his blood. That through that blood, we might enter into a divine covenant with you. You are always faithful to that covenant. Even when we're faithless, you are faithful because you cannot deny yourself. And so we thank you for the power of the blood of Jesus. We thank you for being united with you through that blood. And that in that, you've given us the guarantee of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your indwelling presence in each and every believer. That you are here to lead us and to guide us, to empower us, to strengthen us. I thank you, you come amongst us as the anointing of God to break every yoke of bondage. To set the captive free. To heal up brokenness. Thank you for the anointing to speak as we ought to speak. So you have the oracles of God, that we might speak with clarity and accuracy, that you give us ears to hear what you are saying to us individually and as a church, as families, husbands and wives. You'd speak to our hearts and our lives, knowing that we live in a critical point in history. We've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. So we ask you that doors of utterance would be open. God, that as we speak, you would speak to us. Wouldn't be the words of men, but it would be your words speaking to us. That encounter with you, the Spirit of God, and the Word of God coming together, creating a divine power, a divine unction to live out that which you've called us to live out, to live in that which you've called us to live in, to live through the trials of life, to come out the other side, seeing the victory that you've created for us. And so we'll give you all the glory, all the honor, all the praise, and all the thanksgiving for the things that will be accomplished in every heart, in every life, in every body, in every mind. We thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Good morning, church. How are you this morning? Praise the Lord. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome everybody who's joining us by live stream. We are glad that you are with us today. Why don't you look at somebody next to you and say, the life of God dwells in me, and the life of God dwells in you. Therefore, you have victory in every situation, under every circumstance, and in every place. And your victory releases a fragrance of the knowledge of God everywhere you go. Praise the Lord. You can be seated. Talking about the faithfulness of God, faith in God. Man, I'll tell you just that, to know the life of God dwells in me. The very Spirit of God dwells on the inside of me. And so then you have to question yourself. Is he defeated? Has he been defeated? No, he hasn't. And that victory, the victorious one, lives on the inside of me. There may be an enemy out there to kill, to steal, and destroy. But the victorious one lives on the inside of me. Thank you for your enthusiasm. Lives on the inside of us. Amen. And so, man, it's hard to believe. We're in December already. December already. 
And so, just a couple of announcements that I want to make. Uh, starting tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock, we're going to begin to pray corporately uh, into the new year. Uh, we started this uh, last year. I know, you know, uh, I don't know if God does it to, so we don't just get traditional or something, but, you know, normally start at the first of the year and start, you know, with uh, different numbers of days we've had prayer and fasting. And last year, it just seemed like the Spirit of God said, I want you to start early. You start in January, you've started a little bit late praying for the new year. And so uh, to get ahead and begin to pray into the new year, then we begin to pray into the next two years. So I know that the year that we are about to complete is very much connected with the year that we are going into. And so uh, we'll start that corporate prayer. We'll be praying uh, uh, really up until the, the the Christmas holiday season, uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday at 8 o'clock in the morning, and then Monday nights at uh, 8 o'clock at night, amen, after prayer school. So invite you to come to that, um, where one will put 1,000 to flight, two will put 10,000 to flight. If we got 100 together, just think what we could move in the spirit uh, concerning the year coming up, and so we want to do that. Also, just want to let you know, uh, as is our, our custom here, we're going to take up a, a Christmas bonus uh, offering for our missionaries uh, as they've gone out. And so I just want to let you know about that. We'll do that on December 17th. And so, you know, just throughout the years, I was thinking about that at one point in time. And somebody might correct me. There might have been one more, one less. But uh, we had six uh, missionaries out of New Creation Church somewhere in the world. Um, certainly that could grow, but uh, full-time somewhere in the world at one point in time. And so uh, your generosity to the missionaries, to reaching into the world, the worldview that you have is such a blessing. We also have missionaries on college campuses out uh, uh, from our church ministering to those on college campuses. And so we want to be a blessing to them. They are uh, really making their way on support. And so um, we just are always desirous to bless them, thank them for obeying God, uh, going where God's called them to go, doing what God's called them to do. And so just give you that heads up. You can be praying about what God wants you to do. And then on December 17th, we're going to receive uh, that offering for our missionaries. Praise the Lord. Open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 17. And we are talking about covenant connections. And in talking about these covenant connections, really, you know, I'll just go back a little bit. You know, we started the year talking about prayer. Then we jumped right into uh, Hebrews chapter 6, the very foundational truths of what we're building on. And we moved through the year and we came to the, a place in the year where we began to talk about mindsets. What's your thinking and, and how you think is so important. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And uh, having our mind renewed to the Word of God. And as I started thinking about those mindsets, for some reason, we clicked over into this that we can't properly have a mindset about the key areas of our life, our family, our finances, our church, the things that are incredibly important to us if we don't understand the covenant that we have with Jesus Christ. Even when we're talking about the faithfulness of God, we'll think, well, has God been faithful to me? Well, certainly he has, but he never said he'll just be faithful to you wherever you are. He will be faithful to his covenant that he made with you. And as you enter into that covenant, he'll always be faithful to that covenant. And so, uh, you know, if we get the proper mindset about covenant and understanding about covenant and the relationships that we have in covenant, there will be so much power that we can walk in and understand because we have a covenant with the almighty God. 
We have a covenant with the Savior of the world. We have a covenant with the Holy Spirit of God. So when God says, I don't want you to lack any good thing, he's saying, listen, when you understand covenant with me, there's no lack in me. And so we talk about that, but then we start to think, well, yeah, but I'm feeling this way, I'm feeling that way. But he says, it's not really about how you feel. It's about what you believe and what you believe about that covenant. And so we we began to go through the whole, uh, 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 an understanding of covenant and the process, the power of covenant, uh, uh, the the purpose of covenant, the process of the covenant, and and how that all works just from a covenant ceremony uh, part. If you were here, if you weren't, you can listen to those things. and, And really, hopefully, it impacted your life. Because if you understand what took place really in the spirit as you were confessing Jesus as Lord and you were making a divine exchange of your life, and once you were back to back, you were separate from him, but you made a course by which now you uh, are, are ministering to God. He's ministering to you face to face, face to face, and that you don't have an old life. The blood of Jesus took away your sin. It took away your sin and made you righteous. That always gets a good one. The atmosphere seems to oxygen suck out of it, and it shouldn't, man. People should stand up and shout and rejoice. You don't have to because I said so. But you stand and rejoice when you say your sin is taken away. We should go, woo! But we actually go, really? Really? Because we've been so taught religiously that you'll never have your sin taken away. But the Bible says the blood of bulls and goats couldn't take it away. But the blood of Jesus could take it away. And so if we lived in that, just think. No guilt, no shame, no power of sin to pull me back, but I'm free to serve God. And in serving God and freely serving my creator, then I serve actually the purpose that I was created to live in. And so there's a great deal of freedom in that covenant. And the power and the protection and the safety and the health and the healing, it all comes from understanding the covenant, not a concept but an application of a true life with God through covenant. And so, really, there's, there's three places that we want to look at this and, and begin to apply uh, the understanding of this covenant connection. And so, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, we're going to talk about some scriptures that you probably ha- have looked into many times and know, but we want to launch off of these. 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, Therefore, if anyone, say, I'm an anyone, If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away, and behold, all things have become new. And now all things are of God. So what's he doing? He's talking covenant right here. He said, if you've come and you've you've made this covenant agreement, gone through this process in Christ, then by covenant you are engrafted into Christ. Now everything about your old life has gone away. He's taken away that garment of your old life and he's given you his life, which is a brand new life. And now everything about the new life has to do with God in union with you. Thank you for your enthusiasm. See, we get apart from that. We think, well, no, my life over here is this life and my church life is God life. And that's where things happen all over the place. And we wonder, why does it happen? Because I have a relationship with God in church, but not necessarily everywhere else. But he says, if you're in Christ, old things have passed away and everything has become new. And now everything, everything, everywhere, as God sees it, is pertaining to him. 
So if we'll acknowledge him in all of our ways, then he can direct our paths. Not segment out what areas we don't really have to listen to God, what areas, you know, in business. You know, I had a businessman tell me one time while he was lying to somebody on the phone while I was standing right there. He hung up and he said, well, this is just the way you have to do business these days. I was like, okay, it's really not how you have to do business if you're a child of God. How you have to do business if you're a child of God is to be honest. Right? But that's just, you know, I'm not condemning, I'm not judging. But in his own mind, he had separated business from his relationship with God. But God doesn't separate. But we'll claim God's going to bless me on every front. But yet we don't realize over here where we're looking for blessing, we've separated ourselves. So he said, any man that be in Christ is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, everything has become new and everything is of God who has reconciled us. If you're born again, he's already reconciled you to himself. What does that mean? Reconciled means restored to right relationship. Restored to right relationship. Covenant relationship. God's spirit in you and you in him. Reconciled. That is that God was in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. What's an ambassador? A representative. A representative. So what's he saying? He's saying now then that we've been born again, now then that we've received this newness of life, we, uh, uh, got, we've been given a ministry or to serve others the, the understanding that God's not holding their sin against them, that if they come to Jesus, their whole sin, their past will be wiped away. We're ministers of that reconciliation Right? As ambassadors, representatives, or representing Christ. Representing Christ. So everywhere we go, we have this opportunity to stand before somebody and represent Christ to them. Well, how would I do that? Because I'm in covenant with him, and he's in me, and I'm in him. The greater knowledge I get of that, the greater impact that has in my relationship with him, but it has an impact in all the relationships and all the places that he calls me to walk in. He said, so we're ambassadors for Christ, as though Christ were, uh, or God were pleading through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ. I just want to ask you one question to stir yourself up. Think about it. You'll answer the question however you want to. Have you seen yourself as representing Christ? When you see somebody who doesn't know Christ, who's struggling in a situation, do you ever see yourself as, I have got to plead with them? Come on. Please. Be reconciled to God. Or do we go, yeah, they don't want it. I don't want, I don't want to deal with the stuff. But he said, you're an ambassador. You're coming to represent Christ. And he says, as though it would move in your heart to plead with them. Come on, be reconciled to God. I so love you. God so loves you that we don't want you living in this separated condition anymore. Be reconciled to God. That was the original intent that God had. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20. Galatians chapter 2, verse 20. Paul said this. He said, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who lives, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God, 
who loved me uh, and gave himself for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. In other words, everything that I do to merit that, if, if we could get saved like that, then Jesus would have never had to come and die. The way that we have a newness of life, the way that we receive him and change everything that we live in, everything that we do, is by accepting the blood of Jesus Christ. Passion Translation says it like this. My old identity has been co-crucified with Messiah and no longer lives. For the nails of his cross crucified me with him. And now the essence of this new life is no longer mine, for the anointed one lives his life through me. We live in union as one. My new life is empowered by the faith of the Son of God who loves me so much that he gave himself for me and dispenses his life into mine. So that is why I don't view God's grace as something minor or peripheral. For if keeping the law could release God's righteousness to us, the anointed one would have died for nothing. I like that. He said his life is dispensed into mine. My life is one with his life. Not just when I'm in prayer. Not just at times when I'm in church. His life is one with mine. His life is one with mine when I'm at home in my family. His life is one with mine when I'm on the construction site. His life is one with mine when I'm in Target, when I'm in the grocery store. His life is one with mine all the time because I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I still live. It's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. Why? Because we have a covenant connection, a divine relationship with him. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 31. We're going to shift gears here for a moment, a little bit. He's talking about marriage here, and he says, For this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. The two shall become one one flesh. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, probably the longest, longest part or passage of scripture to describe this same principle. Why? Because it's toughest to get through our head in the larger quantity, right? With God, God in me, that's great. One flesh with my wife, one with all these people, So he has to try to explain it a little bit, all right? So he says, for as the body is one and has many members, but all the members of that one body being many are one body, so also is Christ. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, and have been all made to drink into one spirit. For in fact, the body is not one member, but many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I am not of the body, is it therefore not of the body? If the whole body were an eye, where would be the hearing? If the whole were hearing, where would be the smelling? But now God has set the members, each one of them, in the body just as he pleased. And if they were all one member, where would the body be? 
But now indeed there are many members, yet one body, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, or again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. No, much rather those members of the body which seem to be weaker are necessary, and those members of the body which we think to be less honorable, on these we bestow greater honor. Our unpresentable parts have greater modesty, but our presentable parts have no need. But God composed the body, having given the greater honor to that part which lacks it, that there should be no schism, no division in the body, that the members should have the same care for one another. Wow. So he takes a long time to say the body of Christ, the church, is one through a covenant relationship through the blood of Jesus, just like a husband and a wife are one, a family is one, You know, your family is one family, but it has many members or a few members, depending on the size of your family. And that relationship that we have with the Lord Jesus Christ infuses us. So these three relationships, these covenant connections, these divine relationships are incredibly important to us today. They're incredibly important for us to understand, not mentally get a set, but let it set down in our hearts. Why? Because if we have a great understanding of what God is doing, it's going to take the power of these covenant relationships to to rise up in a strength to really reach a lost and a dying world, which we should care about. But the breakdown, and if we start to understand and look at the culture that we live in and begin to understand that the enemy knows the importance of these divine relationships. The enemy knows, and he started a long time ago. And he takes and he copies God. So about three generations ago in our culture, it may have been working before that, but let me just, for the sake of time, go back about three generations ago, he started to come against, in our culture, questioning all authority, which began with God's authority and the authority of the church. He began to work to get a generation to question authority And as he came in to get them to question authority, he took prayer out of schools. He took God out of schools. He started to attack the children, even knowing the word of God and having a relationship with God where it was in our schools. It was in the fiber of our, 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 our culture. They took it out. And then he did something and he started the sexual revolution. And the mindset, whatever feels good, do it. It doesn't matter what authority says. It doesn't matter what God says. If you feel it, baby, do it. And so, taken away from the family, taking away from God, moving through, right? And so, we have sexual relations outside of marriage everywhere. Babies being born or babies not being wanted. Dad's not taking responsibility. So, we come up and we... Decide, you know what, all this going on, now we do whatever we want to do. And if we could just get a strategy to set man against woman and woman against man. Put pressure on, dad leaves the home. Now instead of a divine legacy that God designs, we have children not knowing where they came from. Not knowing their heritage or their legacy. In other words, they're confused. Where is God? Bring in. Everybody needs to make a lot of money. Busy, busy, busy. So church becomes unimportant. Somebody said for one generation where church becomes unimportant, the next generation it will become 
unnecessary. And so we're looking and going, how in the world can somebody look and know biologically they're a man and be convinced they're a woman? It started three decades ago when we took away from the the God perspective, the family, so you could know my mom and dad came together and these two families were joined and there's a heritage and I know where I came from and I know what my legacy is. Oh, I don't think that's connected at all. You start tracing it back. It's connected. If they don't know where they came from, they don't know who's caring for them, they don't know where their bloodline came from, they don't know who they are. And once we know they don't know who they are, we can start convincing them they are who we want them to be. And the devil can begin to tear down and destroy the very fabric of the life of God. And so we have a culture In a society that church is unnecessary, they don't really have a relationship with God unless God is who they want him to be. And the church is fragmenting. Why? Because we fail to acknowledge that these are covenant binding relationships. They're covenant binding relationships. So we have an opportunity to start learning, to growing, to put back together, to see a revival come forth. To understand that God is faithful. He's always been faithful to every generation. But where the enemy comes in to kill, steal, and destroy, his main point and his main device of dominion is darkness. Ignorance and deception to who God is and what God's done. So the more he takes God out, the more he takes God out, and there's no relationship with God, there's no understanding of the family, and there's no understanding of the family, there's no understanding of church, and then where do you get any strength, any unity, any power from? You don't. So the enemy begins to take ground, but God said, it's not going to happen. I'm going to begin to teach my people. I'm going to begin to rise up, raise up a people that are stronger, that shine as a light. They show the original intent of God to a lost generation. When he said, I'm going to shine as a light, he said, I'm going to raise up my church, and my church is going to reflect and refract the brilliance of who I am and the power of who I am and the course and the wisdom of who I am. The church is going to do that. But we can't do it if we don't understand covenant. If we don't understand that we are bound together through covenant, can't just decide one day, I don't like you anymore. Covenant goes deeper than the emotion and the feeling of the day. Aren't you thankful? (laughs) I get up, it doesn't matter how I feel. Thank God I'm in covenant with him. Doesn't matter how I feel. Doesn't matter if I woke up because I had a dream my spouse was mean to me. By the way, whatever those two dreams are, they weren't connected. I was not the bad person who stole and destroyed from her. She kind of connected that. Have you ever had a dream where everybody stole from you? You know, like your spouse was mean to you? Those were totally not connected. But no matter how I feel, what dream I had, I'm bound in covenant to her. Doesn't matter how I feel when I wake up in the morning. I'm bound to you all through the blood of Jesus. I can't get you off my mind. Good, bad, or indifferent. (laughs) 
We're inextricably bound together. Now, some people can walk away from it. I can't. You say, well, you're the pastor. Of course you can't. There's a lot of pastors leave. But it goes way back beyond that. When God called me to this place, that there was a connection. There's been opportunities to leave that looked really good. But he put in my heart, you cannot leave until I give you the place to leave. You are connected through me to them. And if we saw it that way, man, if we could only see the power of that connection and linking and growing that covenant connection in reaching the world, reaching our community, the resources, the abilities that come to pass. So we're going to launch into that just a little bit. Is that all right with you? So first of all, you can write this down for the sake of where we're going. It's easy to write down, but a covenant is a divinely created, a divinely created bond. A divinely created bond. So just stay with me for a moment. Your relationship with God, this begins to be pretty easy to understand. Your relationship with God, covenant relationship, is a divinely created bond. But this will be a little bit harder for you to grasp that your covenant in marriage with your spouse is a divinely created bond. So God didn't create it. I chose her. And boy, did I make a bad decision. No. No. You might have chose, but God said, when you enter in and you make that covenant, it's binding in my sight. It's binding. Right? They have a lot of questions about divorce, even in the Bible. And he addressed it, and he says, what happened is you didn't understand the covenant that you were in, and abuses of that purpose of that covenant started to happening, and the abuses were greater than the covenant action, so I had to give a way, of out, a way out of that because it was detrimental. Say, okay, well, so then it's all right? No, that's what they were asking. No, we want to understand the covenant so there's no abuse of that. So then it grows and increases in strength. That it brings forth the legacy that it was, in, it, it was created to bring forth. Right? Divinely created. The church of the Lord Jesus Christ is a divinely divinely created bond that we are bound together by the blood of Jesus universally but locally right Paul said I I bow my knee to the, the the father of our Lord Jesus Christ from whom the whole family in heaven and in earth is named wow that's a big bond that's a really big family it's a really big family. Amen. And so we have families. You know, we want, well, we're all part of a family, you know. But, uh, you know, some instances they do and don't. But when you have a family, you, you, your family is your family. It's a part of a greater family. But you don't just all of a sudden, you know, uh, decide, you know what, I think I'm just going to go live with my brother and sister-in-law and not with my wife. We're all family. We're all one big family. Well, no, I can't just up and leave her. Because even though we're all family by blood, we have a covenant that's deeper. All right, you all with me? So it's a divinely created bond. And understand this, 
it's warranted. The covenant has a warranty on it. You know what a warranty is. Many times today we don't know what a warranty is. I've only read a few. But, you know, we talked about this in the beginning. You know, the, 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 the purpose of the thing is found in the mind of the creator of a thing. If you don't know the purpose of a thing, abuse is inevitable, right? And so since the creator is only knows how it works, so the creator of things, they give you an owner's manual. And usually in that owner's manual, there's a warranty. And what that warranty tells you is this is what this was created for, and this is how it works. And if you work it this way, we tell you it's going to work for this long, or we will take care of it. But, right, but if you want to dry your hair while standing in the shower and you get electrocuted, and your hair dryer quits working. We will not fix it. Because it was not created for you to stand in the shower, get water in the plug, and do your hair. So you'll find that in a warranty for hair dryers, unfortunately. Red, you know, a triangle with an exclamation point. Warning, do not use this while standing in water. So... There's danger for not operating according to warranty. And it's not covered not operating under warranty. So God says, here's the covenant. It's warrantied if you'll learn how it works and operate under the guise of the covenant. But when you get outside of that and it's broken, we wonder, well, why isn't anybody here to fix it? Because you're outside of the warranty, of the covenant. Are y'all with me? So, many times we end up with what we would call voided warranty. Voided warranty. Thank God. But we can come to Him. We can come to Him. Say, I voided the warranty. My bad. Have mercy, and He says He'll forgive you. Cleanse you from unrighteousness. But you don't want that to be the cycle of your life. You don't want to live... Outside, how many times, you know, if you were to blow up your hair dryer every single day and go back to the store, they'd give you a new one. How, would you really want to keep blowing it up every day and go back just because they gave you a new one? No, you wouldn't. It wouldn't even be worth it. Yet as Christians, we do a 1 John 1, 9, day after day after day, and wonder why things aren't going very well. You know what 1 John 1, 9 is. Well, we come in, we confess our sin, we know he's going to forgive us. We never intend on changing it. We're just trying to stay covered. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. But God has so much more for us to live in. So much more for us to live in. Praise the Lord. So the covenant really provides for us an umbrella, an umbrella over our life, a covering over our life. He never says it won't rain. See, some people think when I have a, a covenant with Jesus, it's not supposed to rain. He said it'll rain. In fact, he said it will rain really, really hard. Turn over to Matthew chapter 7. Matthew chapter 7. Starting in verse 24. He says, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain descended, the floods came, the winds blew, and beat on that house. And it did not fall, for it was founded 
on the rock. What's he saying? He's saying someone who's in covenant with me that doesn't just say they're in covenant, but they act on that covenant. Storms of life will come. They'll even beat on your life. But your life will remain standing because I've built it on the foundation of the covenant that I have with you. But everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains descended, the floods came, the winds blew and beat on that house and it fell and great was its fall. Great was its fall. So we have a number of, uh, of situations where people are, you know, they're wondering, why is my life falling apart? So much is pounding upon my life. Well, we want to find that place of covenant with God. Covenant in our family. Covenant with our church family. They're all relevant, divine covenant connections within our life. And so God instituted covenant so that he had an administrative way to step into your life. Because of the sin of man, the enemy had control over your life. God said, if I'll make a covenant, I will make a way, a true administrative way that I can step into people's lives and situations because I have a covenant with them. When the enemy says, no, 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 you can't come in, God says, I have a right to come in. We have a covenant together. And he made that covenant with us Really, to step into our life for the greatest understanding that in covenant with him, he lives in us and us in him for the transformation of our life. The transformation of our life. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 17 says, wherever the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Or wherever he is made to be Lord, there's freedom. Right? So as we behold in a mirror, the glory of the Lord. We are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of God. As we begin to look at the covenant rights and privileges that we have through a, 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 a covenant with Him washed in the blood, we begin to see my sin is gone. My sin is gone. And if my sin is gone, what do I look like sinless? Come on, I'm going I'm to hammer this because God's really been dealing with me about this, that the church is having a difficulty getting through their mind the power of the blood. They keep looking for covering. I screwed up. God, could you just cover me until we get to heaven? Could you? He said, I don't want to just cover you. I want to cleanse you. I want to empower you. I want you living an overcoming life. I want you sheltered under my wings. So I don't know if it's like an umbrella. If you don't think it's like an umbrella, read the 91st Psalm. He who abides in the secret place of the Most High God. Right? Who abides there. Under the shadow of his wings will rest and trust. No sickness or plague will come near your dwelling place. Though a thousand fall at your, come to your side, a thousand at your right hand, it will not come near you. He's talking about the protection of divine covenant. Well, wait a minute. I come to church and some things have happened to me. Yeah, but we're not just talking about church. We're talking about covenant with him. We're talking about how that covenant connects me with my family. Oh, yeah, I don't have any covenant connection with my family. 
Talking about how that connects to covenant with the church. Oh, yeah, I don't have any of that. But I, I have a, this relationship with God. Well, it goes farther. A lot of people, well, I have a relationship with God, but I don't think I need the church. Well, I don't know. I'm glad Tasha just said I have a relationship with my head. Because she actually needs my whole body. She wanted to put up Christmas lights, but she needs my body to do that. Right? I mean, seriously, it sounds funny, but she's like, I would like you to do that. I can't do that. We're in covenant together, and because we are, I need your body, your strength to do what I want to do, but I need you. And if I say no, she's like, no, we're in covenant. And we'll get to that. Y'all are quiet today. We're going to build on it. But it carries over. It's connected. And it starts with this great power source that's on the inside of us. And it's wellspringing. We're not getting it from somewhere. It's wellspringing. And that wellspring of life connects us with our family in such a great measure. Connects us with the church. It creates that divine connection. Creates awesome power. Makes it available. So God steps into our life through covenant for transformation, for replication. So that we can reproduce. He said, go into all the world. And make disciples. He said this divine covenant isn't just for you. But it's to bring to others. And the power of it. Because God looks at every single human being. That's ever been born on the earth. And says I want to reconcile them to myself. So that everybody could experience the depth. Of a covenant relationship. Which means the life of sin. I've taken from them. I've given mine. My protection. My safety. My health. My healing. Everything that I can do. Because the covenant is for strength. It's for that oneness. It's everything that I have belongs to you and everything that you have belongs to me. And I want them to experience, whether in a covenant marriage or a covenant family of the church, I want them to experience union and fellowship with my spirit in somebody else. What is it? He created us for union. He says, if I make this covenant and it spreads through family into church, you say, well, I don't really have a, I'm not, I don't have a spouse, but so what do I do? Well, you have family in the church. Well, what's so important about that family? I need somebody that I can look into their eyes and go, I know the same spirit lives in you that lives in me. We are divinely connected. So where's all this division and strife coming from? I don't know. It's the enemy because the spirit of God's not divided. If he's in me, he's in you. Somewhere we find agreement because we have the same spirit. Somewhere we're connected, and in that connection, there's power in agreement where any two are agreed is touching any one thing that they ask. Powerful connection. He steps into our life. For transformation. For replication and for reigning in life. He never, ever, ever wanted daily life to reign over us. Never. So he explains, Paul explains in Romans of the fifth chapter, how sin got into the earth. And through that sin, condemnation and judgment. Through one man's sin. And he said, I 
at being a fair, just God sent one man, and through one man, justification became available to every single person. He says, so you may feel like you're living under condemnation, but that's from Adam. If you're in Christ Jesus, you live justified and redeemed by the blood. And if you know you're redeemed by the blood, you have no more sin. It's washed away. Whew, does that mean we can go sin? God forbid. If you died to sin, why would you live in it anymore? I don't know. That's why we want to know covenant. I don't have to live in it anymore. Well, are you saying we'll never make a mistake? No, I never said you'd never make a mistake. But you won't live from a life source connected to Adam. You'll live in a life source connected to Jesus himself. And when you make a mistake, something on the inside says, let's get that taken care of right now because that's not your life. And it won't become your life. We'll wash it out right now. And if we're quick to act, it won't have a result in our life because God's taken care of it. So he said if we'd receive the abundance of grace and the gift of righteousness, we would reign in life. Reign in life. You ever thought life is reigning over you? Life is reigning over your family? The difficulties of life? Life is occupying? I can't get my relationships in church right because life? He said no. It's never supposed to be that way. With him in marriage, in the church, life is not supposed to be occupying our thoughts, our feelings, everything. The life that comes from this world, the life of God is supposed to be occupying. Our relationships are supposed to be strengthening and building. Strengthening and building. Praise the Lord. So we're going to talk about five ingredients to covenant relationships. Five ingredients to covenant relationships. Just want to touch on this first one really quickly. All covenant relationships are, these three covenant relationships, all of them, are transcendent. They're transcendent. So what does that mean? It means they're God-authored and they're God-ordained. Transcendent just means superior, higher. They're God-authored. They're God-ordained. They come from another realm. God's plan comes from another realm. We talk about faith. It says, by faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. So the things we see did not come from the seen. So the relationships that we're supposed to have and how they're supposed to work, they're not what we see around us. There's something that God has planned to impart to us, to unite us, that isn't yet seen in many cases. But God wants to bring it into the scene as we put faith in him. The divine connections that we're looking for, we haven't found yet, God wants to bring together. To connect us in a way that we've not been connected before. He wants every joint to have a supply. Marriage is a divinely connected relationship. It's transcendent. Can't find it out. Because of that, God put it together. These covenants are not humanly established institutions. They're for humans but not by humans. We have to understand the covenant. It's for us, but it's not by us. It's transcendent. God put it there. So we see that. What did Jesus said? What God 
joined together in marriage, don't let man put us under. So we want God to put us together in church, but we let the courts, man, put us asunder. Because we don't even understand what God was doing many times. We wanted God to do it. We wanted it to be God to oversee it, the pastor to look at it. But when things started to happen, we went back to the world. The world doesn't know how it works. God does. He can reconcile and restore. So when these covenants are transcendent, they're created by God so they can only be defined by God. That's why you can't have gay marriage. Because God defines marriage as a man and a woman. Well, wait a minute. I know some people who are married. But they're not in God's covenant. Because God defines it. I'm not a hater. I'm telling you. We love people. But it's a divine, a divine bond. It's transcendent. All right. Turn over to Genesis chapter 4. We're going to close right here. I want you to leave understanding this, thinking about this. It's very powerful in the time, the day that we are in, where we've come in these relationships by putting our mark on it. Many times we put our mark on it. We'll say, you can't tell me. It's my Holy Spirit. It's the way I look at it. He's my God, and he'll be the God I want him to be. And if God is this way, then I just think I won't serve him. So we create our own God in our culture today. Why? Because the knowledge of God has been broken down, and young people don't even know. There's an entitlement that whatever they want, whatever they want God to be, that he is to them. He's graceful, merciful. He'll be whatever I want him to be, no matter what wrong I do, where I'm at. My God is my God. He takes care of me. But God is God. He can't be the God you made him to be. That would be very weak. He's the God that he is. And so the covenants that he institutes are important. So listen to this right at the beginning. When sin entered in, we had this... uh, began to take place. And so, uh, verse 3, it says, In the process of time it came to pass that Cain brought an offering of the fruit of the ground to the Lord. Abel also brought the firstborn of the flock and their fat. And the Lord respected Abel and his offering, but he did not respect Cain and his offering. And Cain was very angry and his countenance fell. And many people listen to that. They read that and like, of course. What's wrong with God? He did the best that he could. But no, that's, you have to read on. So said the Lord, said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? In other words, what are you upset about? If you do well, what he said here is he actually looked Cain in the eye and he said, you know this, you already know this. If you do what's right, I'm God, I've already established how this relationship's going to work. If you do what's right, you will be accepted. Your offering will be accepted if you bring the right offering. What you're mad about is you want me to accept what you want me to accept, not what has been divinely ordered to accept. He said, if you do not do what is right, 
sin lies at the door. So what happens? He said, if you do what's right, I have planned for this covering. But if you don't, something's outside of this covenant waiting for you. Something's outside of this covenant waiting for you. And its desire is to grab you and to rule over you. He said, listen, when we get to the point of saying, this covenant will be on my terms, not on God's terms. He said, wait a minute. I'm covering you. But the moment you say it's going to be on your terms, there's something waiting outside that door when you step outside of that covenant. And it might not slap you down tomorrow, but it will grab a hold of you to begin to rule the direction of your life and reign over you. Make you look like something you're not and break you down over a period of time to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But I came and made a covenant with you that you might have life and have life to the overflow. And these connections, again, we're going to try to make this connection, but for every... For everyone, God's set up. There's a way that he has put down for us to understand and live in a marriage covenant. He has a way that we live and cooperate and build strength as a church body. And he has a way that we have a relationship with him that empowers us for even all the other relationships. They are covenant connections, divinely created bonds that if we'll understand what the enemy did Decades ago to begin the process of breaking down so that now the third generation does not know who they are. God always talks in three generations. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The enemy saw that. He started three generations ago and we didn't see what was happening and now we're seeing a generation that does not know who they are. They don't really know who God is and they don't know what family is. But we can and we do and we can see revival. Are you with me? Father, we thank you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify you today. For your goodness and your mercy that endures forever and ever and ever. We worship you. Help us today, God, to know the power of your covenant, the extension in these relationships that you've created for us. Lead us and guide us and teach us that we would honor these relationships we would honor them as transcendent, that they are designed by you, they are operated by you, and they come under your covenant, protection, safety, and help because they are your divinely orchestrated, your divinely created bonds for us. And you created them that we might be changed, that we might reach out and be replicated, that we might reign in life, that we might be protected through these covenants, we might be protected through these relationships where the enemy has tried to see that we're hurt by them, it's a lie of the enemy. We are helped. We are strengthened. We are made whole. We become who we are created to be to reflect you and represent you in our world. Help us to see it. Help us to understand it. Holy Spirit, minister to every heart and life as we go from this place to solidify the revelation of who you are and the covenants that we have because of you. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you stand up? Amen. Say this, we go, what God did in Christ Jesus? Far exceeds any damage done to me by Adam's fall. You can be dismissed. Make it a great day. We'll see you at 6 o'clock tonight.